We have been in a series on heaven, and what we tried to do is some of you saw this bag up there, and you're just, you're getting ready right now. You're getting ready. Um, this is the last week of this, and so I wanted to end with a little bit of a bang. We were walking through, and I was trying to find something to, to I did this for a couple weeks uh, through candy bars out. But uh, last week was difficult because last week we talked about hell. And it's like, what am I going to throw out? <laughs> Dark chocolate? <laughs> Some of you would catch it and go, ooh. It was, it's like it would give the whole screwed up message. It would not work well. So we skipped it last week, but I was walking through trying to figure out, based on what I'm going to talk about, what I would do today. And Julie says, well, heaven, she said, Milky Way. Because, you know, we think of heaven and the heavens. So these are, this is totally mislabeled. I'm sorry. It says fun size. It's not the fun size. The big ones are the fun size, but it's a, I think that's why these are cheaper. Milky Way. Who wants a Milky Way? There you go. Nobody in that section wants a Milky Way. I can't even see with those lights in my eyes. Doc! Doc! Couple, two more or the second service will be mad at me. All right. The candy bar is not just because we have nothing else to do. It's because that's a taste. You remember? I think it was the second week. We had the candy bar, and then we had the candy bar, and then we had the candy bar. And it's like, that's kind of what heaven is. And we can get a taste of it from the Bible. And we should. And I believe it's there to kind of spark our imaginations, to have this divine imagination. So when somebody says, I can't even imagine what heaven is like, it's like, I don't know all the answers, but I can imagine because I can pick those pieces out of what God says in the Bible and get a little bit of a taste because if I'm supposed to live daily in the anticipation of it, if it's supposed to be my passion, if I'm supposed to not think about this as much as I do that, it needs to be something that's worthwhile. And that's what the Bible does for us. We spent last week in hell. <laughs> for me it was. I hate talking about that. But we can't not talk about it. If, if there was, I said last week, if there was one thing I could remove from the message, that would be it. But I can't because God's the one who put it in there. So for the previous five weeks, if you haven't heard those, you can go online, journeynorchurch.com or iloveourchurch.com and go to the same place and listen to them all free. This is the sixth and final week. And what, we're, what we've been trying to get across is what you believe about eternity in heaven determines how you live today. So we want to believe the correct thing about eternity and about heaven because it tells us, it shows us how we're going to live today. And life, we've talked about this, life is preparation for eternity. So if life is preparation for eternity, how do we prepare for heaven? How do you prepare for it? And maybe today we'll also get into a little bit of what happens if you don't prepare for it. So you ready? Here's what we're going to do. Pack your bags. Jesus is coming. Got to get ready. We got to pack our bags. So that's what we're going to do today. We're going to pack our bags. I was going to set this up front, but it blocked a certain view of people. And I, and I didn't want to put it in front of somebody and have them think I just didn't want to look at them. You know? So we'll keep that off to the side. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to see what we put in our bag to prepare, to get ready, because it's a big deal if we're really going to see Jesus, if we're really going to heaven. And what we're going to do is we're going to look at some verses from the Bible. Um, Paul is writing to a church in Philippi. 
And he's telling the Philippians at this church in Philippi about some of his background, some of the things he's been through, what he was like before. He's going through a lot of this stuff. He talks right before this a lot about knowing and trusting in Jesus. And then he tells them some of what we've talked about for the last five weeks, living in the light of eternity about looking forward to that, about having a passion for heaven and not just um, thinking only about life here on earth. So I'm just going to read through this. This is what's in your um, worship folder. It won't be up on the screen, but it's in your worship folder. But you can just listen as I read. This is from Philippians chapter 3, starting in verse 12. Paul says this, I don't mean to say that I've already achieved these things. Remember, he's talking about some of the stuff he's done and, and, and becoming more like Jesus. He said, I don't mean to say that I've already achieved these things or that I have already reached perfection. He says, but I press on to possess that perfection for which Christ Jesus first possessed me. No, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it, but I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. I press on to reach the end of the race, to receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us. Let all who are spiritually mature agree on these things. If you disagree on some point, I believe God will make it plain to you. But we must hold on to the progress that we've already made. Dear brothers and sisters, pattern your lives after mine and learn from those who follow our example. For I've told you often before, and I say it again with tears in my eyes, that there are many whose conduct shows they are really enemies of the cross of Christ. They are headed for destruction. Their God is their appetite. They brag about shameful things, and they think only about this life here on earth. But we are citizens of heaven, where our Lord Jesus Christ lives, and we are eagerly waiting for Him to return as our Savior. He will take these weak mortal bodies and change them into glorious bodies like his own under the same power with which he will bring everything under his control. What I'm going to do is I'm going to share some of the things I learned from these verses. These are things that I think that we need to have packed if we're going to be ready to go. And we want to be prepared for that. So what we're going to do is we're going to pack these things in the suitcase as we go so that you can have a little visual reminder of here's what we need to do from this passage. You can read this passage and most people hit, see the one or two highlights from it and we miss some of the things that are really important if we really do want to be prepared for heaven and if we want to live in light of eternity. So are you ready? We're going to move fast today. So here's the first thing. Humility and honest self-evaluation. Humility and honest self-evaluation. That's from the beginning of verse 12. It says, I don't mean to say that I have already achieved these things or that I have already reached perfection. This is the Apostle Paul writing. If anybody could say, I'm pretty close to have reached it, you know, he could have said that, but he doesn't. Humility is huge. It's a huge thing. And honest self-examination to be able to say, I know I may have done this and this, but I know that I'm not where I need to be yet. Paul had talked about the goal of knowing and loving and experiencing Jesus. And here he's telling them, I haven't reached that goal yet. He'd been saved 30 years. He'd gone through so many things. He had experienced so much growth, but even for Paul, much more was needed. So the first thing, humility and honest self-evaluation. We're going to pack that because that's something we need to have if we're preparing for Jesus to come back. That brings us to the second thing. And the second thing is this. He said he hadn't arrived yet. He hadn't made it there. A lot more was needed. The second thing is this. Press on 
because it takes effort. It's not just a smooth, I'm going to get saved and the ride's going to be smooth from here on out. I want to say, oh man, buckle up. Because that's not how it works. We press on because it takes effort. He actually says it twice. Verse 12, the end of verse 12 and verse 14. But I press on. And he says, I press on to reach the end of the race. And he gets us thinking about the whole race thing because it takes effort to do that. It's a lot easier to just do what everybody else is doing. Paul's telling us it's never okay to settle. It's never okay to just coast. Too many Christians are like, I'm in, we're good. It's like, no, we can't just coast. We go for the goal like a long-distance runner. We never give up. We never let up. And if we stumble, we get back up. And we get going again. We have to press on. And while we're pressing on, so we're going to take that and we're going to pack that away because this is something we need to be doing. We need to be pressing on because it takes effort. While we're doing that, we've got to have some objectives in mind. If we're going to press on, what am I pressing on for? What's the goal? What's the aspiration? That's the third thing in this passage. Work to get better. And I, I, I realize I keep showing these people first. I need to show you first sometimes. So we need to work to get better and be more like Jesus. That's the goal. That's what we're doing. We're working to get better. We're working to be more like Jesus. It says in the end of verse 12, but I press on to possess that perfection for which Christ Jesus first possessed me. The perfection is Jesus. He wants us to be like him. I am never going to be perfect on this side of eternity. And before you say amen, you are never going to be perfect this side of eternity. We will be. We will be when we see Jesus. And we've talked about this big word, sanctification. Our sanctification is complete. When, it's, when, when instead of just knowing something, um, it, uh, um, instead of knowing it experientially, we just understand it positionally. It's like right now in God's eyes, I'm clean. I'm perfect because he sees me through Jesus. Someday, I will be. I just won't be right now. Here's my goal. My goal in life is that it wouldn't be quite as much of a change for me when I see Jesus. (laughs) I want to be closer to that. So it's not like, whoa, you know, that I'm closer to what I should be. I think of it like this. I will never be sinless here, but I can sin less. And my life is always better for it. And so are the lives of people around me. So we work to get better and more like Jesus. That's something if we're going to get ready, pack our bags, that's something that we got to do. The fourth thing I learned from this passage, as I work to get better, as I work to be more like Jesus, is this. And this is a big key from this passage. Forget the past. Focus on what's ahead. We need to realize, he says in verse 13 this, um, no brothers and sisters, I've not achieved it. I haven't arrived. I haven't made it yet. But I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. He had bad in his past. He had good in his past over the last 30 years. He said, here's what we're doing. We're not living in the past. We're going to forget the past and we're going to focus on what's ahead. See, too many people live in the past. 
We did a whole series on this in February and March. It's online. You can go listen to it. Moving past your past. Because if that's where we live, it's going to be a problem. You can't get where you need to go if you only look in the rearview mirror. You will crash. I guess unless you're driving backwards. But we don't want to drive backwards. We want to move ahead. It's not good to live your life in the past. There are lessons from the past. Yes, we need to learn those lessons. I get that. There are mistakes in our past. We don't want to make those again. I understand there are pain and struggles in the past. And I am not trying to minimize those for any of you in any way. I'm just saying sometimes we got to get over it and move on. Because we're not helping us or anybody else living in the past. We focus on what's ahead. Because life is ahead. Abundant life in here and now. And eternal life in heaven. Doesn't that sound like something way better to focus on? That what we have coming ahead. He even goes on to tell us some of what lies ahead. We've touched on that. Um, but there's way more to deal with what we can cover in a message or series on this. But he identifies one of the things he is passionately looking forward to, and that is this. And here's how we need to live if we're going to pack and get ready for heaven. Oh, it's first. Look forward, look forward to the prize. We need to be looking forward, but we're looking forward to something. And he said, there's a prize. Here's what he says, end of verse 13, verse 14. Forgetting the past, looking forward to what lies ahead. I press on to reach the end of the race and to receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us. There's a prize at the end. There's reward. The end of the race, like Paul, when I reach the end of my race, I want to receive the prize. I don't want to be disqualified because I screwed up. I want to receive the prize. I want to receive the reward. I want to receive the crown. I tell you, I had a blast studying this whole reward and crown thing this past week. And if you, you got, need something to do, that's a great thing to do. It's, it would be a fun series, and I'm sure it will be um, in the near future. For now, I just want you to know that there are rewards for following Jesus, for living by faith in the here and now with our eyes on eternity. Jesus promised it. And I, for one, am really looking forward to it. Now, I know that not everyone is buying into what I'm saying. I understand that. Paul knew that was true of his audience as well. And so we'll pack this in there, looking forward to the prize. There is another way to prepare. And that's for all of you who are not really sure that what God is saying here is accurate. And that's this. This is probably the hardest one yet. Be willing to change. Be willing to change. He says this. I like how he says it. Let all who are spiritually mature. He kind of sets them up. It's like, yeah, I'm spiritually mature. <laughs> Let all who are spiritually mature agree on these things. He said, if you disagree on some point, I believe God's going to make it plain to you. And it's not that God's going to convince you that I'm right. God's going to convince you that he's right. It's in his word. This is what he's promised. And we need to be willing to change. This is a lesson. It's a lesson we're certainly not getting from like politics, okay, um, or society at this time. That ain't happening. Maturity, civility, all that, that seems to have disappeared in our society. Right along with knowing how to use the correct spelling of your or to, depending on the context. 
But that's, that's a whole other issue. It has nothing to do with this, but just a word to the wise. Be willing to change, okay? See, too many people who claim to be spiritually mature don't seem to be willing to see any side except their side. Well, I'm right, so why should I look at another side? We should look at another side because we may not be right. Or there may be something that we're missing. Too many people don't even want to change. People who know they're wrong. Sometimes, sometimes they know they're wrong. Sometimes they know they're broken, but they just want to keep moving in the same direction that they've always moved. Remember, you've heard me say this many times. If you always do what you've always done, you'll always get what you always got. And too many of you say, I don't like what I'm getting, but I'm going to do the same thing and see if it changes this time. You understand that's the definition of insanity. To do the same thing and expect different results. It doesn't work that way. We've got to be spiritually mature enough to at least be willing to change. Now, I'm not saying that if someone's not willing to change that they're wrong about everything. Okay, I'm not saying that. Many of them have come a long ways. They've come a long ways down the road on their journey. They have made great strides towards true north, towards becoming more like Jesus. That's what the next thing reminds us is a good way to live, to be better prepared for eternity. One is to be willing to change. The next one is this, very important for us in our walk, to see how far you've come and then hang on to that. Because we have made strides. In verse 16 he says, But we must hold on to the progress we've already, we've already made. See, we've, all, we've made progress. Nobody's arrived. None of us. But it is good to remind ourselves how far we've come. To hold on to that progress, not slipping back into old ways. Sometimes it's like you're way back here and you make one step forward and then something happens and it's like two steps backwards. What we need to do is realize, here's where I was, here's where I am. I want to stay here. I don't want to stay here. I don't want to go back there. I want to keep moving ahead. So we see how far we've come. And we hold on to that. This is very different from living in the past and just rehashing old issues over and over and over. This is about moving ahead one step at a time. I, I am proud of you guys, the steps that you've taken, you may not be where you want to be yet. In fact, I can say from this passage, you're definitely not where you need to be yet, (laughs) and neither am I, but praise God, we're closer than we were before. We're taking those steps. Paul then gives us a great way to make sure that that positive progress continues in the right direction, because we all need to be continuing in the right direction as we live in light of eternity, and here's one of the main keys for doing that. Follow good examples. And then the flip side of that is, and be a good example. Here's what he says. Dear brothers and sisters, verse 17, pattern your lives after mine. Learn from those who follow our example. The hardest thing that I ever have to say from this pulpit, from scripture, is this. Follow me. And I never stop there. It's always what Paul said. Follow me as I follow Christ. But it is hard for me to tell people to follow me because I know what a screw-up I can be. But what we need in our lives is we need good examples. In fact, your companions, the people that you associate with most and um, that, that you keep closest in your head, that you keep closest to you are more important than you can imagine. In fact, I've said it often that if you show me who you hang with the most, 
I can tell you what direction your life is going to take. Now, we all need people in our lives who need Jesus. Because we need to be showing them the love of Jesus. But we also need people in our lives who are at least a couple steps ahead of us in their walk with Jesus. So that they can keep us going in the right direction. I'm going to pack this in. Remember, we talk about Paul had Timothy. um, And Timothy had people under him. and, And that's what we do. We have that person that's a few steps ahead of us. And they keep us going in the right direction. But we also have the the people here who are maybe a step behind. Maybe only a half step behind. But we can help. And then we can get help. We both need both of those things in order to move ahead. We have to have good examples to follow. And we have to be a good example. Um, since we're talking about other people at the moment, that brings up the next characteristics. Characteristic that helps us prepare. And the key word here is genuinely. Genuinely care about others. And especially others who are living their lives only thinking about the now and living in the here and now. Here's how he says it in verses 18 and 19. For I have told you before, and I say it again with tears in my eyes. That's the passion that he had for this. His concern and care was genuine. Here's what he's told them before, that there are many whose conduct shows they are really enemies of the cross of Christ. Verse 19, he says, they're headed for destruction. Their God is their appetite. They brag about shameful things, and they think only about this life here on earth. See, we have to genuinely care about others. The people who live only thinking about this life here on earth are really not accomplishing what they think they are. They're not headed in the direction they think they are. They may have the things they want. They may be accomplishing the things in their careers and in their education. and, and their, they, they may be doing those things. But when they're only thinking about the here and now, they're not doing what they think they are. I personally don't believe that this passage is just talking about people who don't know Jesus and are headed for hell, like we talked about last week. I don't think that's what it's talking about. I think it's mainly referring to people who do know Jesus. They are just demonstrating by what they value that they are actually enemies of the message of hope in Jesus. Because they're not valuing that, first of all. They're valuing the things of life here. And it says they are actually headed for destruction. Now, what does that mean? I did a study on this this week, and it's actually... um, That's the result from not preparing like we're talking about today. Not packing correctly. Not preparing for what's coming. I'll explain that at the end. I want to keep going at the moment with the last few ways that we do prepare. The thing I want you to see now is that those people that we just talked about may only think about life here on earth or may think about that too much and be focused on this. The next thing is this. Remember, your citizenship is in heaven, not here. If you're a follower of Jesus, if you stepped across that line from unbelief to belief and claimed Jesus as Savior and believed that what he did on the cross was not to pay for his sins, it was to pay for mine. And you turn from your sin, you turn from your way of doing things and turn to Jesus, you now have a new citizenship. It's in heaven, not here. He says, verse 20, but we are citizens of heaven where the Lord Jesus Christ lives, and we are eagerly waiting for Him to return as Savior. You see, we're just passing through this life. We can't get too attached to what we see here because this all fades. We can enjoy it now. 
I'm not saying we can't enjoy it. Remember, we talked about this. Every good and perfect gift comes down from God, from the Father of lights. What, what we are able to experience here that's good is from Him, and we can enjoy this here. We can and should enjoy all He provides now. But we can never lose sight of the fact that it's temporary. It's temporary. Don't waste your life by trading eternity for what's temporary. This world as it is, is not our home. Living in the light of eternity, having a passion for heaven, and remembering our real citizenship is not here, it's in heaven. That's the way to be reasonably happy in this life and supremely happy with Jesus forever in the next. That's how we do that. That same verse, verse 20, has our next way to live now. The next thing we should be packing, and that's this. Same verse says this. Live in eager anticipation of Jesus' return in heaven. Live in eager expectation of that. It's, uh, I'll read the verse again. We are citizens of heaven where our Lord Jesus Christ lives. See, that's the goal. Heaven is like, the, heaven's just a side note, as amazing as it is. It's Jesus. Heaven is where Jesus is, and we are eagerly awaiting for him to return as Savior. I know too many people that aren't because they're really enjoying what they got now. And they're missing out on like the best thing in the world. I told you this story. I had a friend who was a youth pastor. I was a youth pastor at the time. He had, and he had a new kid. And he said, I don't, I don't get this kid. He said, I buy him all these amazing toys. Like the coolest things. You know, this one, Toys R Us was still going strong. And he said, I, it's like, I have an aisle in there that's named after me. He said, I buy these amazing toys for my kid. I come home from work and you know what he's doing? He's hugging the toilet. The kid loves the toilet. It's like he can't hardly even go in it yet. But for whatever reason, he likes that. He said, so here I come home and he's in there and the kid, <laughs> he's hugging the toilet. And he's got all these amazing toys in his room. And then God said, you realize that's what you do almost every day. I have provided for you more than you can ever imagine. And I look and there you are hugging the toilet. What is it with that? It's because we don't live in eager expectation of Jesus' return. Jesus is in heaven. He's preparing a place for his followers right now. And I, for one, cannot wait to see him someday. I just can't wait. Whether I die and close my eyes here and open them with Jesus in heaven, or whether he comes back for me while I still live and takes me there, I cannot wait. There is never a day goes by that those thoughts don't cross my mind because I cannot wait. I want to be found eagerly waiting for him to return. Remember week one? Just like the bride waiting for her groom that we talked about the first week. That kind of summarizes what we've been talking about here. But there's one more lesson that Paul emphasizes if we're going to pack correctly. There's one more thing that he emphasizes and that's verse 21. And it kind of summarizes everything. Remember what disappears and what lasts, don't forget. Everything around you, society, everything you see, everything you hear around you will try to convince you that what you see and hear and feel and taste right now is the most important thing. And as important as it is, it disappears. Remember what disappears and remember what lasts. He says in verse 21, he will take our weak mortal bodies and change them into glorious bodies like his own. 
using the same power with which he will bring everything under his control. So we remember what disappears and what lasts and, and think about those things that will be gloriously changed because we are all broken, all of us, in so many different ways, physically, emotionally, mentally, relationally. We are all broken in so many different ways. We need to be focused on, focusing on what will be glorified, what will be changed, what will last forever, not what's going to fade. And it is fading already. And our bodies are such a great example of that. You all know people who are, are they're living in the past when it comes to their body. And I see them and I think, you don't see the same thing in the mirror that I see when I look at you, do you? <laughs> I look at this like, you're, you're trying to be 30 years younger than you are and you're fooling people, not really, you're fooling yourself, you're not fooling us, but our bodies are a great example of that. The older I get, the bigger a deal that is. I cannot wait until he takes this weak mortal body and changes it into a glorious body like his own. And he will do that with his incomparable power and purpose. That's great motivation. That's, that's heaven. Those are some of the ways that we prepare. What happens if we don't? What happens if we don't prepare? Remember when we read verse 19, it said that the, the, these certain people, they only think about this life right here on earth. And it specifically says they are headed for destruction. So you don't have to do any of the things we've said in the last five weeks and now the sixth week. You don't have to do any of those things to prepare and to be thinking about heaven. But if you don't, you're headed for destruction. Those that think and live only about this life, it says, are headed for destruction. What does that mean? Because it sounds pretty scary. Here's what it means. The word destruction, um, apoleia, just kind of say that with me, apoleia. Apoleia, just because it's fun to say. It's kind of a cool word. It's not referring to hell. When it talks about destruction, it's not referring to hell. It literally means loss, ruin, or waste. That's what you're headed for. Headed for loss. If you don't live your life in anticipation of what's coming, with a passion for heaven, if you're only concerned about this life, the loss you experience is more than you can imagine. Lose reward. See, what we have now lasts for a few years. What we have there lasts forever. How sad will you be the second you realize that when you're standing before Jesus, you gave up all of that for this to lose reward, to lose motivation, possibly to lose even your life. People who do that are headed for destruction. It means loss. It means ruin. And we've all seen this. Many of us have experienced it. You can ruin happiness. You can ruin your happiness by focusing so much on what's here. You can ruin other people's happiness because the stuff here doesn't last. You can ruin your life. You can ruin your future by thinking about the wrong thing all the time. And it means waste. And to me, this is the biggest thing, to waste your brief time here. How sad to realize this is all we got. 
and we wasted it. I don't want that for any of you. I want to see you all in heaven. And I don't want any of you losing out or ruining or wasting your life here. If your eyes, your thoughts, your heart are fixed on heaven, there will be a difference in how you live your life now. Because life is preparation for eternity. I've shown you some of the ways that we need to live in order to prepare. And all I could think of was just like this. As I was thinking about this suitcase this week, if you've been around for a while, you know this. If you don't, um, last year, um, our family took vacation of a lifetime. We took my my father-in-law for his 80th birthday on this amazing vacation, like across the ocean, and we had talked about it for like forever. And when you prepare for a big trip or anything like, you know, a big move, when you prepare for that, for us, that was the biggest thing we ever did and ever will do. When, when that's coming, you prepare for it. We thought about it for months and months and months and months ahead of time. You want to have the right stuff. You want to make sure, because you only get one shot. You don't want to miss it. You want to have the right stuff. You want to know the right stuff. Because you want to be able to experience everything you can experience. For us, we want it to be in good shape. Because we knew that we were going to do that whole precastolan, you know, pulpit rock thing. You know, if you haven't seen, um, well, it's the last Mission Impossible has a big scene from Pulpit Rock on it. I watch it, my knees start to go like this. When we climbed up, the, we knew that was going to be like a, a, a big deal. And so we wanted to be ready for that. And so we wanted to be in good shape. We saved every penny for longer than I can even remember. Putting money away. We did another thing that, was, that was, we don't usually have to do because they didn't use dollars We had to take money that I could be spending right now and I had to convert it to the currency that would be used there. So I take money, it's like, I could use this. I would like to use this. A lot of things I need right now. (sighs) But I'm going to take it and I'm going to turn it into this weird, whatever they call it over here, crones or pounds or all kinds of weird stuff we had to convert it to. And now I know that when I get there, I can use it, but I can't use it right now. And God said, Tim, you understand that's what you do every day of your life for heaven. You convert something that you could use now into a currency that will be used then. That's what storing up treasure in heaven is. That's what sending it on ahead is. We were excited. We were looking forward to it. We wanted to be ready when the time came for that vacation. And that was just for a little short vacation. I'm talking about we need to be ready for eternity. We have an eternal destination. And you know what? Too many people are packing the wrong things. You heard the story about the guy, he's rich, like really rich, and God let him know that it was going to be time pretty soon for him to go. He's a believer, it's time for him to die, and it's like, oh, but I got a lot of really good stuff here. So he's making a deal with God. 
And he made this deal with God that, you know, you can't take it with you, but he made this deal with God that he could, he could take one suitcase. Whatever he could fit in that suitcase, he could bring. And the guy's like, oh, one suitcase? I have amassed all, what am I going to do? He agonized and stressed. You know what he decided to do? He took everything he had and he converted it to cash and bought gold. It's gold, right? Filled his suitcase with gold. Time comes, stands before Peter at the pearly gates. It's more like, Ugh, you know? And Peter says, you can't bring that in there. He says, no, 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 I made a deal with God. God said that I could have one suitcase and we can do this. And Peter says, all right, but you know, it's like the airport. I'm going to have to check this just in case. And he opens it up and Peter looks in it and says, you brought pavement. <laughs> you got to read Revelation 20, 21, and 22. It talks about heaven having streets of gold. And he had everything he amassed and converted it to pavement. You see, we can, we can pack correctly. And we need to. Some of you here you're not ready to go yet. And it's not because you haven't packed correctly. It's because you don't even have your ticket yet. The ticket is Jesus. He paid for it. But you have to claim it. You have to say, Jesus, I want in on that. I want to go to heaven. I understand in my limited understanding that you're the only way. I don't fully understand that, but I believe you died for me to pay for my sin so that me, this imperfect person, could go to a perfect place. And I accept that, Jesus. I trust you. I want you to come into my life, to be the Lord of my life. That gets you the ticket so that then you can start preparing and you can start packing correctly. If you've never done that, don't leave today without making sure of that. You just make your way to the back. Uh, there's a room right to the left of the door. Somebody will be back there to pray with you. Uh, you, can, you can take one of these communication cards while I'm praying right now in just a second. Um, you can pray and you can say, Jesus, I don't understand this, but I want that. I believe that you died for me. I'm turning from my sin, from my way of doing things, and I'm turning to you today. Just tell him that in the silence of your own heart and your own words, and he will accept you. It doesn't matter how many steps you've taken away from Jesus. You're one step away from him right now, just to turn to him. If you do that, please fill this card out and turn it into us because we're on this journey together and we want to help you and we want to, we want to be able to help you pack correctly. So if you, if you would close your eyes, let's pray. Father, there are so many I know that are listening to this. They are, they are ready. They know that Jesus is the ticket, but maybe they haven't been living their lives in a way that, that demonstrates that correctly. Maybe they're one of the ones like that passage that they didn't even realize it, but what they're headed for is destruction. They have their seat. They know they're going to heaven, but they haven't been living in a way that really displays the good news of the gospel of Jesus to those around them. My prayer, Father, is that we would live daily with a passion for heaven, that we would look at and fix our eyes and hearts and lives on what is seen 
and what is unseen and not what is seen. Because we know what's seen fades away, but what is unseen is eternal. And Father, for anybody who's never come to know you personally, they've never entered your family, that today in simple faith, they would receive Jesus. They would believe what you said. They would receive Jesus and come into that relationship with him that places them in the family of God so that they could, they could begin to live their lives with eternity in view. Father, thank you for all that you're doing here in us and through us. And we love you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Please stand for the closing song. Pack your bags, because Jesus is coming back. I want you to be careful, because in thinking about packing your bags, I want you to also remember that you can't take it with you, okay? You can set it on a head. The things that we pack in here are not things to just know. They are not things that are just packed away. These are things that we should be using now to get ready so there are some things that you can't take with you. You know that. There is stuff you can't take with you. It's just not stuff. You can take your character with you. That's one way to get ready. Here's what Jesus said in Revelation 22. Look, I am coming soon. My reward is with me. And I will give to each person according to what they've done. He's coming back. We want to be ready. And we want all of those around us to be ready as well. So pack your bags, get ready, and be prepared. And don't forget to sign up for the journey groups in the back. And remember, next week is Hope for Mental Health community here from 12 to 2. It includes lunch. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your love for us. Thank you for never giving up on us. Thank you for your amazing grace to us that you want to light that fire in us so that we would burn brightly so that the people around us would see you and know how much you love them. And that we would be able to prepare for that eternity that's coming. Father, thank you, and we love you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. And thank you that they're having a good time down there. <laughs> Amen.